Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. In a world where we have access to any information we could possibly want, it's easy to confuse what's true and what isn't. When it comes to our health, there are a lot of people claiming to be experts and a lot of people giving their opinion without the scientific evidence to support their claims. We see this with diet, exercise, and mental health. Today, we're going to have a chat about the difference between science and pseudoscience, correlating the basis of scientific experiment back to our health. I love this topic, and I'm growing to love this topic more and more as I continue to study and learn throughout my degree. And I wanted to really just have a a casual talk with you about health and nutrition and fitness and how this term pseudoscience really does play into what's going on. Like I said, we have so much information and information at our fingertips that's accessible anytime we could possibly want it. While this is a positive thing and we have all of this information that's available to us, it also paves the way for misinformation to get to us just as quick. There's a lot of quote unquote experts giving their opinions but these experts are not really experts at all. What they're doing is they're using anecdotal evidence, so evidence that has worked for them or that they have seen work for other people, and they're generalizing it to work for everyone that hears the information. We see a lot of this on social media. Uh, Health influencers, fitness influencers, they're giving a generalized approach to the way they eat or the way they work out and claiming that it's basically the be all and end all and you should just follow this program because it works for me so it must work for you. The problem that comes with generalizing is just that it's too general. Health and nutrition and fitness, although simple in theory are actually quite complex when it comes to each individual and what they're going to require. When we generalize something, we don't take other variables and factors into account. We don't look at the health of the person, their age, any conditions that they might be struggling with or working through, health issues, mental issues, their lifestyle at home, how much stress they're under, how much sleep they get, their digestion. So to blanketly say that this diet is gonna work for you because it works for me, or this way of exercising works for me, so it must work for you as well, 
is just wrong. And there's no scientific evidence to support that just because something works for someone else, it'll work for everyone else. That That's not science. That's called anecdotal evidence. And it's not supported on a scientific level. When we look at science, we're looking at theories and hypotheses that can be tested that are empirical. And the testing that hypotheses goes through is very rigorous depending on the hypothesis. So there's a lot that goes into conducting research and experiment. Simply using anecdotal evidence negates all of this work that has to go into research to actually uncover what is true and what isn't. The difference between science and pseudoscience is science is not a belief system. It does not require belief. It requires evidence. It requires something to be able to be tested. It requires validity and reliability. So is the test testing what it's actually supposed to? Can you replicate the test? What are the confounding factors? Is there spurious variables skewing the test? There are so many different things that go into testing, whereas pseudoscience relies more on a belief system. There's nothing wrong with belief systems. In fact, there's nothing wrong with them at all. They can be really healthy in the case of religion or faith. But when we're looking at science and health, we have to be so careful that we don't blur the lines between a belief system and what the science actually says. So if you're under the assumption that low carb is the only way to eat because it's a belief system, an identity that you've created for yourself, you feel a part of this group of the low carb movement, it may have worked for you. You can quickly start to adopt that as your truth and believe that that is in fact right for everyone, but that's not true. That's your belief system. That's not what the science says. We always have to go back and look at the scientific evidence, the research to support these really bold claims that are out there. And they're out there in full force in so many different ways. And they do sound true. But a lot of the time, they're romantic notions. They're not based in fact, they're based in a belief system. Another thing that we have to be very mindful of when it comes to our health is that we're not being reductionist in our thinking, meaning we're not taking one outcome and linking it to one cause. This is called the reduction, a reductionist viewpoint when we're drawing a straight line from A to B and saying, I did this and therefore I got this cause and effect. When we do that with nutrition or anything with our health, we're not seeing the whole picture of other things that can be causing the specific outcomes that we have. Like I said, there's other variables that go into our health third-party variables. We can't necessarily draw a straight line. It's not as simple as that. Everyone is so different 
and what they require for food, for exercise, for the amount of sleep they get. Everyone is so, so different. We can generalize a little bit when it comes to that, like between seven and nine hours of sleep, whether you feel better getting six hours of sleep or you feel better getting seven and a half or you feel better eating a low-carb diet or you feel better eating a plant-based diet. It really is up to the individual and what's going on in their life at any given time. It's also important to remember that as we get older and as our lifestyle changes and seasons of life, our health changes as well and our requirements change. What has worked for you maybe 10 years ago is probably not going to work for you now. And what works for you now is probably not going to work for you 10 years from now. If you're an athlete, say you started training when you were 15 years old and now you're 40. Well, the way that you trained when you were 15 and the way that you train now is probably very, very different and rightfully so. Our health, our bodies, our requirements, they change as we get older. This is another reason why generalizing something is such a bad idea because we really don't know what stage of life a person is at. So to say that this is going to work for me and so it should work for you, well, maybe, but maybe not. We don't, we need to take so many different things into account when we're looking at health. I wanted to talk about a psychological phenomenon called groupthink. And I think groupthink really highlights what's going on in our world right now with so much misinformation. And, and it's a very interesting thing that happens because people form these groups and they form this identity. And it's basically what groupthink is, it's consensus thinking. So you have a group of people who believes in something so strongly that they form this group and they form this attitude and they form their truths. And it doesn't matter how much information comes in that contradicts their belief, they do not support it and they will not support it. They will stand firm, tooth and nail, denying any kind of evidence that's contrary to what they believe. Now, if you have picked up, I have said belief or believe, three times. So groupthink is based on beliefs. It's not necessarily based on science. Maybe some points are based on scientific evidence, but then it quickly becomes this belief system, which we've talked about. And it doesn't matter what you say to them, they're not going to buy into it. How does this relate back to nutrition? I think we could probably think of a lot of different groups of people who have this consensus that this way of eating is the right way. And it doesn't matter what kind of information comes in that supports another way of eating. We're not going to believe it. We're going to shut our eyes. We're going to put our fingers in our ears, go la, 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 like we're children. And we're not going to welcome any kind of new research in. 
This is a huge red flag when it comes to science. Anytime someone refuses to accept criticism, they refuse to accept new research coming in, they refuse to accept challenge of their current research, this is a huge red flag because now we're no longer in science, we're in pseudoscience, we're in a belief system. And we can correlate this to so many different areas of life that happens with groupthink and with belief systems because they're so strong to us because they mean something to us. We wrap our identity in these belief systems, but we have to be able to separate what's a belief system to what is scientific evidence. Anytime you hear someone saying, the case is closed, there's no more debate or discussion about it, turn and run. That is a person who is not dedicated to science, who's not dedicated to furthering their knowledge, they're dedicated to their own belief system. I really want to drive that home, especially when it comes to things going on in our world, in our economy, with health. We have to be able to differentiate between fact from fiction, science, and belief system. What does this mean when it comes to the general population and our health? Well, it means so many different things. Because there is not one diet out there that works for everyone, the field of nutrition and health is very gray and it's constantly changing and it's supposed to. The best things that we can do for our health is A, do our research of what it means to be healthy for us individually and work with someone who's an expert in their field. You would not go, I hope you wouldn't go, to someone who has absolutely no credentials if you've been diagnosed with cancer. I would hope that you wouldn't. You would go and you would work with an oncologist and someone who is an expert in that field. Well, health and nutrition are the same. We need to make sure that we're working with practitioners and getting information from people who actually have the education to back up what they're saying. And we need to make sure that the people we're working with also have an open mind when it comes to nutrition because this field is changing rapidly all the time. We need practitioners to be open to new research coming out and to be able to admit when they've been wrong or when we need to shift our thinking or what we're doing. There's no denying that there are simple things that everyone can do in a generalized sense, like getting quality sleep, making sure you're drinking enough water, exercising, getting more fiber, eating your fruits and vegetables, eating whole foods, trying to manage stress, but these are really general statements and what those look like for each individual is really going to vary. So when I say managing stress, that's kind of an arbitrary statement to make because what does that even mean? 
What is stress? What is stress to one person could be not stressful to another person. How someone responds to a stressful situation could be completely different from how someone else responds to that stressful situation. Those two people are going to require very different things if they come up against the same stressor. So this is where we need to be our own detective in figuring out what's going to work for us and what doesn't. To blanketly say that all carbs are going to make you fat or they're going to spike your insulin or cause diabetes is complete bogus. We need to make sure that we're not looking again at this reductionist point of view and saying, I eat this, it's going to result in this. Because to be honest, carbs are not the enemy. When you eat a carbohydrate in a high quality form, like a whole grain, there's so many different factors that play into the total digestion and how it's going to affect your blood sugar. To say that a low carb diet is healthy for everyone isn't true. It might be okay if you have a certain health condition like diabetes or another condition where you've worked with a practitioner and you're experimenting on a low carbohydrate diet for a shortened amount of time to see if it helps your symptoms. But to say that that's going to work for everyone and then prescribe it to people when you're not an expert is very dangerous. We have to make sure that we're caveating everything that we say with, and if this doesn't work, it's okay. Let's try, let's experiment, let's see the outcome not this is the only way, my way or the highway, and it will work, you just have to be compliant. That's not science, it's not true. Exercise is another thing that we can overgeneralize as well, and to say make sure you get enough exercise, well what does that look like for you? What does that look like for a 10 year old? What does it look like for a 60 year old? What does it look like for someone who's stressed at work, who works at a sedentary job? What does that look like for someone who's a manual laborer? Like what does enough exercise actually mean? It's a very arbitrary statement and it's going to vary depending on the individual's life. Scientists are skeptical and we're skeptical for a reason because whenever we're dealing with people, with things, with ideas, there's always other factors that come into play. There's bias, there's bias coming from all ends of the spectrum. There's bias from the experimenter, there's bias from the test subjects. There's so much bias that we can't completely take it out of what we're looking at. We just can't. We, we can't live in a world where we don't put our bias onto our situations to some degree. But what we can strive for as scientists and people who are interested in the scientific approach to health is trying to understand what's going on and how the world actually is, not how we think it should be. And I think that's one of the, the biggest points when it comes to our own research and knowledge are we looking at the things the way that they really are, or are we looking at them for how we think they should be? And if we're looking at them for how we think they should be, then we're putting our bias onto it, 
And that becomes more of a belief system, not scientific evidence. You may be thinking, okay, Lena, so why does all of this matter? Why are you trying to drive the scientific approach to health home? Why can't I just do things naturally? Why can't I just look on Instagram and follow someone's profile and do what they're doing and look like they're doing? Why can't that work for me? And what's the danger in trying? Well, good question. That's a very good question. What's the danger in trying? The danger in trying is if you're someone that has a serious medical condition and you're taking the advice of someone who's basically against anything having to do with Western medicine or science or anything that's been backed up and substantiated, then you run the risk of making problems worse for yourself. For example, if you have high cholesterol and you believe that you can correct it with diet alone, which there's nothing saying that you might not be able to, but you choose to forego medication, you could put yourself at risk. If you have a condition, a serious condition, and you've heard from some crackpot that drinking celery juice or eating turmeric, five grams of turmeric a day, or whatever kind of advice you're hearing out there, that's taking the shift away from your condition to more of a natural approach and kind of naysaying any kind of scientific approach, you could be making life really bad for yourself. Now, I am a believer in the things that we have on this planet are there to heal us. And food is amazing and it does so much for our bodies. It keeps us alive, it nourishes us, it feeds us. But there are times when food is not enough and we need medical intervention. If you're choosing to forego chemotherapy treatments, for example, because someone told you eating a pound of blueberries a day will give you enough antioxidants to help ward off your cancer or, cure or whatever. It's just one example. There's so much terrible misinformation out there. I mean, that's the danger. That's the danger in just blindly following someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. And maybe, maybe someone did have cancer and they didn't get chemotherapy and they changed their lifestyle and their diet and maybe their cancer went away. I don't know. Maybe that worked, but that, that doesn't mean that, that, that there wasn't other factors at play and that that will work for you. Anytime we're looking at research and we're looking at our health and how to be healthy and we're looking up different articles and studies and reports, we have to look at the source and we have to also look at where that funding came from and if there's a vested interest and what's going on behind the research as well. Has there been financial support by certain companies to promote certain things 
how much bias is going into it? Where was the experimenters head at when they conducted their research? Were they trying to find something that they just so happened to find? These are the questions you need to be asking whenever you're looking at studies being done. And a lot of the time, what people will do, what groups of people will do is they'll take one study and they'll base their whole theory off of this one study. And that's not good either. I know I'm not giving you a lot of answers in how to be healthy and what foods to eat and what not to eat and what you should eat in a day and how you should exercise because there is no one right answer. Because everyone listening to this podcast is going to be different. And that's why I'm not giving you solid answers. I'm not, I'm not giving you what you want to hear because what you want to hear is very different from what you need to hear. And what you need to hear is that you're an individual who requires different things. By following generalized ideas that you hear from people that have no background in probably anything, and they don't know you most importantly, is a very bad idea. To assume that because there's this movement of veganism that you should become vegan, that all dairy is bad, that farms are bad, and people who eat meat are horrible, they should die, probably not so good. Is eating less meat healthful? Maybe. Depends what you're replacing it with. If you're replacing it with more plant plant foods and increasing your fiber intake, yeah, it could be healthier. But to generally say that eating all animal protein is bad and unhealthful. There's no scientific evidence to support that statement. In fact, there's lots of scientific evidence to support the contrary, that there's a lot of nutrients that people are missing now that they've cut out dairy and animal products. So you need to be skeptical when you're looking at research. And really it, what it boils down to is listening to your body when it comes to your health. What foods do you want? What foods make you feel good? What foods make you not feel good? How's your digestion after you eat? How's your energy? How are you sleeping? How are you feeling? How's life? Are you happy? These are the things that really matter. Our health is multifaceted. We can't just pin it down to one thing. Again, this cause and effect reductionist idea there's so many different factors that play into our health. And on another note, I know that when something has really worked for me, I want to share it with the world because I'm so excited that something's worked for me. And when something works for someone and it's completely changed their life, it's very easy to take your anecdotal story and evidence and say, you should do this because it works so good for me, so it will work for you. And while the intention may be good, it's not always helpful. So bear in mind that whoever you're talking to has a much different story than you do. And we can give advice and we can give our input and our opinions 
But at the end of the day, they're just that. It's our advice, it's our opinions, and it's our experience. And that experience is going to be different for everyone we come across. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.